This is episode number 311. Are there hidden benefits to doing something you once feared? With Steve Gamlin. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Outs podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First announcement being in regard to our work, and that is if our work has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our upcoming event on September 23rd called Survive to Thrive, Face Your Fears. This is a three-day experience where you'll be able to identify the origins of your fears and different ways that you'll be able to transform them into strengths through a series of workshops provided by six different speakers from all over the world, as well as a series of breakout sessions that will follow each and every single one of the presentations. If you'd like to know more details about this upcoming experience, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today, where you'll be able to find all the latest details as well as ways that you can become a part of this particular experience. Now, let's get back to the show. Mr. Steve Gamlin. Hey there, Oleg. Long time no see. I know, it's been a while. Gosh, you're, you're here, there, and everywhere, and it's funny, every time we get on a call, I always ask, okay, where in the world are you today? Because I'm always kind of here in what my clients refer to as the Barnboard Lounge, my recording studio, mm-hmm. and I, I never know where you're going to be, but I'm thankful for this uh, this amazing technology that allows us to have conversations. It's pretty amazing. I, I've actually, I don't think I've fully appreciated the things that we are truly capable of through the things such as a laptop and internet connection. But having to do this from different parts of the world, especially developing countries and let's say the developed world, I mean, they're very dra- they're drastically different worlds as far as mm-hmm. what's possible in one compared to the other. But the fact that we're able to do this, I, I'm really grateful. And I'm also grateful for the connection that you and I share. I'm grateful for this event that we're going to put on in September. And the topic that I wanted to discuss is actually something that you'll be speaking on. And mm-hmm. and uh, one thing that I want to say briefly, so when I was first considering the different speakers that I wanted to have as part of this experience, one thing that really stood out to me in particular are the people that I've had the opportunity to witness over the years as far as their growth, their potential, and ultimately the different ways that they've been able to find ways to challenge their own fears. Uh, and you were at the top of that list. So I'm 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 really happy. I'm really happy that somehow you and I cross paths. I know you mentioned earlier as far as the person that introduced us. I don't remember who it was. It might have been Brian. It was Brian King Wright of uh, <laughs> Success Profiles Radio. Yes, I dug way way back into the the dusty shelves of our initial uh, LinkedIn direct mm-hmm. messages from years ago now, mm-hmm. and uh, there's there's that name, Brian K. Wright. 
connected us yeah. initially. The ultimate connector. Yeah. So what I wanted to do for this particular conversation and for anyone that's going to be tuning in is I wanted to explore this concept of fears. And I figured that maybe the best way to even explore it is by tap trying to answer the question above as another is, are there hidden benefits to doing something you once feared? I know that there's a video actually on your website when you were talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was a version of skydiving, right? Yes. Or jumping off of the building. Jumping off of a building with, uh, it wasn't a, a lot of people think it was a bungee cord, but yeah. it's actually, it's, it's a cable with a giant winch. If you think of the winches that you see on the front of Jeeps, it's, it's like uh -huh. a big version of that. And it's got, well, about 108, floors worth of cable and you jump off the 108th floor and when you get to about the fourth of the third floor a very gentle braking system engages and then you just hear somebody say all right sir put your feet down and you're on the <laughs> ground <laughs> but all the way down i just i screamed my brains out and i had an absolute ball and yes i uh i learned a, a very important lesson about fear while mm -hmm. doing that, so mm -hmm. the following year when I was doing my taxes, I deducted it as an educational expense, the money that <laughs> cost that. And uh, I, I had to convince my tax accountant of why it qualified, but he laughed and he goes, that is the greatest deduction I've heard so far this season. So That's really funny. What have you ultimately learned? And before we proceed, I want to say hi to Melody here, who's joined us here from Massachusetts. What have you ultimately learned as far as the fears that you've experienced in your life and, and the different benefits that you've been able to gain after approaching them? I think fears are those monsters that we actually make so much bigger than they really mm -hmm. are. And, and I've been in the personal development uh, world for about two decades, been on a personal development journey for 30 plus years myself. When you mention fear, and this is one of the things that if people choose to believe this or subscribe to it, I'm not knocking you, but this is one of the things that exhausts me is when you say the word fear and somebody who went to a big guru event goes, fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Like, okay, you bought the bumper sticker. I get it. But hmm. let's, let's dive deeper into what fears are. You mm -hmm. know, fear, fear can be the unknown. Uh, fear can be you can be afraid of something that you tried in the past and maybe you didn't execute very well. So of course it didn't end well. And now you're afraid to even try again. The reason I say that it annoys me when people say fear is false evidence appearing real. If it's real in your head and real in your heart, it's real. Stop saying it's false evidence and stop saying it doesn't exist. It's real. Deal with it in, in, in any way that you have to speak with somebody qualified to maybe help you to work through some baggage from your past or rewire your brain a bit with, uh, you know, NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, but just stop saying it's false evidence appearing real. If it's holding you back, it's real. Deal with it that way. Because otherwise I, I just feel when people spit out phrases like that, they minimize it. Yes. And we're still dealing with the reality of it in our heads and going, well, maybe there's something wrong with me or why am I afraid of this or deal with it. And I don't mean deal with it in, in a flippant, way i mean mm -hmm. deal with it figure out exactly what it is about this situation that causes you fear mm -hmm. find people who have either been through it themselves or are qualified to guide you through it and then trust them and those are the three steps to overcoming fear that i learned standing at the edge of the 108th floor of the stratosphere hotel in las vegas mm -hmm.
You know, I realized the same exact thing, and it it's taken me many years to learn this, but I, I subscribe to a similar theory for quite an quite a few number of years, actually, as far as false evidence appearing real. And what I realized was that I was actually diminishing the fear that I was experiencing. Yeah. And I, I think there's value in being able to reframe a lot of the circumstances into helpful ways or tools to cope and move forward. But at the same time, I realized that the more that I chose to mask the fear itself or the problem, the greater the problem or the greater the fear actually became. Mm-hmm. Because then I wasn't able to tackle it at the origin. And with more information, it became a lot harder to identify where is this actually coming from. Because now there are so many different events, so many different points to go off of. And I know that it, I remember as I was watching the video in particular, when you were describe, there were many things about it that I found humorous. One of them was, I think, the joke that you made when you were flying by one of the floors and you said the only thing that was missing was a pizza box. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the next time but, I do it, I'm going to duct tape a pizza box to my left hand and just fly past the balconies and just pointing. It's yours. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think you bring up a really good point, though, as far as choosing to identify it at, as close to the origin as possible and then going from there. I know for me, I've faced many different fears throughout my life, and I probably will continue to do, to do it. And that's the other thing that I wanted to touch upon during our conversation and see what your perspective on it was. Do you feel like it's possible to, quote unquote, fully eliminate fear, or do you feel like it's going from one layer to the next? I love how you phrase that, because I I believe that it's one layer to the next. It's... Mm-hmm. You know, we may we may find the root of something. I mean, I've had situations in my life that now being on this journey, I've looked back and I've actually found exact moments where fears began or or a, a lack of comfort in a certain situation began. And when I started to understand where they were and realizing, really, that's it, it got me beyond that level. And I got to another level of trying things, experiencing things, yeah. growing myself, growing my business. And I would hit another level and go, okay, what happened somewhere in my life that's causing me some concern right now? Or what's making me nervous about this? And if I dig back enough, and I'm brutally honest with myself, I say, mm-hmm. well, yeah, when I tried something like this before this happened, and now being in my early 50s, I look back mm-hmm. and go, really? When I was 32, somebody said this, and that's kept me from going for something beyond myself all these years? Okay. At the time, it was difficult and challenging, and I let it hit a pause button on my efforts in that area. Kind of like a Roomba. You know, you, you hit this wall. What do you do? The Roomba backs up and goes somewhere yeah. else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't clean that part of the room or doesn't gain that ground. And as I've started to dig back, I mean, luckily, there's nothing that I've needed, you know, therapy or anything for. I mean, my life is not as complicated or difficult or challenging as many people have had to deal with. Mm-hmm. But as you dig back, when you find those things, if they really are troubling, if they're really keeping you from going where you'd like to be in life, I highly recommend you speak to somebody qualified to help guide you through it. Because that's the only way to grow is to deal with these things, understand what they really meant and the impact they had on you, and then give you the tools and the language, especially the self-talk to move forward. But I, I believe they're just layer after layer after layer after layer. And someday when you catch up with yourself and you realize that everything that happened before you've now dealt with, I believe then you're really prepared to just mm-hmm. move on and you're going to have more experiences. We're not going to succeed at everything we try. Yeah. But sometimes those are the, it's sometimes it's great to not succeed on the first try because you're going to learn how to do it better. 
the next time and learn to be a bit more fearless. What were you most afraid of leading up to today? Uh, biggest thing actually happened when I was about 13 years old because mm -hmm. uh, that was seventh grade. Now, I was very popular, very smart, and, and had a great time and a great amount of friends first through sixth grade. Well, seventh grade, 99% of my friends went to one school and I went to another one where I knew nobody. I knew one person and that was it. And I got embarrassed like on the playground, like the first day of school, said something dumb and got made fun of for that. And then in the spelling bee, had a teacher kind of in a way mispronounce a word and I spelled it the way she said it and got laughed at. And I mean, this took me into my mid thirties when I finally realized that I got embarrassed at the spelling bee and I stopped raising my hand and I stopped putting myself in the spotlight. I've been there. in seventh grade, all the way through uh, seventh and eighth, mm -hmm. all four years of high school, all four years of college, where I pretty much just tried to be invisible in the back of the room. And I graduated by 62 one thousandths of a point from college because I was afraid to be in the spotlight. I was afraid to be made fun of. I was afraid to, to be ridiculed or, or to look silly or stupid. And all those years later, in my mid-30s, kind of when I became a speaker, I was telling a story one day, and that came up, and I thought about it. I said, really? Is that what caused me to be afraid all these years? The risk of maybe looking silly or foolish, or there really was nothing to it beyond that, because I know my stuff. And yeah. that's when the confidence rebounded in, in the adult version of me. I said, well, hey, if I screw up, the worst thing that happens is I get a great stage story out of it. So bring it on. <laughs> you know, mm. I've tried so many things since then. Uh, being up on stage in front of, I've, I've been up in with a microphone in front of uh, a little over 2,000 people at a time. Mm -hmm. it's big groups, small groups, podcasts, live broadcasts, like what you and I do so often. Mm -hmm. I just throw myself out there any chance I get now without fear. Mm. Do you find that the, the couple of things that you mentioned that are closely related to a conversation I had the other day with a friend of mine, <clears throat> we're walking down the street and we're talking about this concept of uh, having to be challenging to make friends at certain age groups, especially as you get older. It's it, not necessarily challenging. It's just a completely different environment. Mm -hmm. The playground has shifted. It's no longer the monkey bars. It's whatever the, it's the workplace, it's the bars, it's whatever people meet people. And I'm finding that in regard to putting yourself out there and being able to create some of these closer friendships, is that something that you feared once upon a time as well, going into your 30s, going into 40s and, and 50s? Like, is that how have you come to terms with the fact that, hey, things are going to happen the way that they're meant to happen and maybe not necessarily the way that I want them to happen or I'm planning to happen? Because I, I know that that is a fear for that was a fear for myself once upon a time. And that's a real fear for a lot of the people that I do know, as far as putting themselves out there, knowing that with time and with effort, certain paths are going to align, certain people are going to be met, but it may not happen overnight. And it may not happen the same exact way that it happened when we were in sixth or seventh grade. Have you found that to be true in your life? And if so, how did you get through that? How did you work through that particular fear? Biggest challenge for me was I kept projecting myself, well, if I want to be popular or accepted at this thing, I have to be mm -hmm. this way. And, and I kept, it's it's almost like, you know, the movie Mean Girls or, you know, the jocks or the bullies are 
this and that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the people that everyone else thinks are popular when it turns out most of them are just a lot of them. I can't say most. A significant amount of them are actually jackasses and they're just jerks and they're insecure in their own thing. So they do, you know, they set the tone. And I used to wind up subjugating myself thinking I have to be a certain way to be around these people to be accepted. It took a while, but I finally figured out, what if I just show up as me? The right people will show up and gravitate towards me. I will match. I will have conversations with the right people who represent the same things I represent, represent the same energy that I'm putting out there, are doing the same things that I wish to do one day, putting aside the vision of what other people say is success or whatever, or is cool or is popular. When I just showed up as me and started having real conversations and not this pretend persona that you walk around with this mask that you put on so you can be accepted. When you figure out who you really are, you become fearless in a way that you just start having conversations. If they work out great, if they don't, that's okay. You just walk on yeah. and find somebody else. You know, I started, I stopped being like the high school dance because I can't dance at all. I get two left feet. The whole, uh, well, <laughs> Me neither. Uh, if I ever went to a high school dance, which is rare anyway, I would walk in and just lean against the wall somewhere yeah. and not really engage with anybody. Now I walk into any room, if it's a networking event or being part of a call, I just show up as myself. The mm -hmm. right people will respond. The wrong people will walk away. Mm -hmm. And I just accept that. I mean, you and I connected at the mm -hmm. urging of another person, Brian K. Wright. Mm -hmm. We had a conversation and said, oh my gosh, I love this person. And we've mm -hmm. been, we've been re-engaging ever since. Yeah. And also edifying each other, building each other up. And if, if I see by a post on social media that you might be struggling with something, I may just reach out and go, hey there, Oleg, how's it going today? Just thinking about you. And and then we wind up having these real conversations. And I know it works both ways because you've reached out to me on occasion. Again, mm -hmm. and the more we do that in a real way, the more we understand we've got everything we need. We are who we're supposed to be as long as we're staying true to ourselves. And we're not putting up these fake personas that could get us in a situation where all of a sudden we don't have the tools to back it up because that's not who we really are. And I think that's a great way to create fear is to put yourself mm -hmm. in a situation where you have no business being. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest challenge of being tr fully transparent with yourself that you realized about just through your own journey? Thinking we're good enough just mm -hmm. as we are because mm -hmm. of so many, you know, I call it the Barbie and Ken syndrome so many people out there we say well i can't be as successful as that person because look at them they're perfect they're lucky they're, they're physically fit they're more attractive they've got a full head of hair they're ooh, they got this great car this great house and i've got this or their business is doing this amount of money and mine is only doing this amount of money we we start to take away from our own value and then we get scared because then people are going to find out well i'm not as successful as these other people you know what? If you're being yourself and you're doing the best you can and aligning yourself with the best people out there and being vulnerable enough when you do need help to ask yep. for it and connect with the right people, I, I believe that fear starts to go away. And and I, I was on a, a podcast with somebody a week ago and this person is brand new and, and there was just fear coming out of them almost with every word they were putting themselves down. I'm brand new with this. You'll come on my show. I don't really have an audience yet. I said, we'll tell you what, let's show up, let's let it rip. And maybe this is the episode that will help you grow an audience. So I'm going to show up with everything I got. You do the same confidently mm -hmm. and let's rock. Mm -hmm. 
And the person said afterward, he goes, oh, that felt so good. I wasn't feeling afraid that I was doing you a disservice by bringing you on a show without an audience. I said, man, I'm here. This is what I do. I just show up everywhere and be myself the best I can, fearlessly. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, oh, well. You love let's, let's create this energy together and maybe mm-hmm. some of it will rub off on that person and they'll feel a little more fearless and confident the next time. I love being part of those moments. I love being part of those firsts for people just yeah. because I've, I I can pinpoint the last five to 10 people who are part of my first starting the first podcast, doing the first speaking engagement, all these things. And for me, the reason why I find it important for my own sake is not only am I able to help them, but I'm also able to help myself. I'm also able to help myself that, yes, I can show up to whatever the occasion is and practice. And I think that's what you just hinted towards is the fact that, yes, the person might not have the audience compared to someone else. But at the same time, there's still value that you can gain from that experience. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's practice for you to better understand how do you process your thoughts? How do you speak your thoughts? All those things, and, I, and I'm a huge believer that when it comes to public speaking or any other form of presentation, that every single platform is a stage, whether it's the grocery store, whether it's the parking lot, whether it's the gym, whether it's the physical stage, whatever it might be. And I know for me, once I was able to reframe it and understand that every single platform is an opportunity to get better or to learn something new, my life shifted completely. I mean, I literally... it. it it was one of those moments where I felt that life was working for me and not against me. And then realizing that same exact thing, being part of different opportunities with people for the first time, I think it just amplifies it even more. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I realized it just, it, I realized that in the moment, just how, how crucial it is to be surrounded by people who are constantly climbing, who are constantly trying to elevate themselves and I'm wondering in, in your case, and I, I think I know part of the answer to that question, but do you feel like you're surrounded by people like that? Uh, these days I'm surrounded by people who are climbing yeah. intentionally because I have moved from such a place. And it's funny, I explained this on a call uh, with somebody earlier today who attended mm-hmm. a recent event I was a speaker at. And we've, we've kept in touch and I like to drop little coaching nuggets working with her. I said, if you think of it like going for a hike or going to a mountain, you drive all the way there and you look up at the top of the mountain and it looks pretty far. And a lot of people will say, I'm scared. I don't know if I can make it that far. I I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the strength. I I don't have the, the tools to get there. But what a lot of people do is they quit and they sit there in the parking lot overlooking the rotted picnic tables that are so old, they're gonna give you splinters in your bum in the porta potties. And that's their view. And it's not a pleasant view. And in the middle of summer, it's not a pleasant smell to be there either. They want to be up there, Mm -hmm. but they're afraid to even start. And the person I was on the call with, and I love her for this, she said, but what if you just walk 100 feet? You're up a little higher and it doesn't smell so bad. I said, right. And then you go another 100 feet and you meet somebody who comes in from another trail and you decide you're both going to the same place. So you walk together. And they may have some a bit more knowledge or have done it once before, which is one more time than you have. And then you climb up 500 feet and then you see somebody coming down who says, hey, when you get to the top, which view do you want today? Do you want the other mountains? Do you want the foliage or do you want the, the lake? 
we want the lake. Great. I was just there. Hey, when you go up another 500 feet, when you get to this area, stay to the right because it rained last night. It's a little slippery and dangerous. Great. Now you've got this more knowledge and the higher you climb, the better the view and also the more helpful and fearless the people that you're going to meet along mm -hmm. the way, whether they've already been to the top or whether mm -hmm. they're walking and you get to cheer each other on. And it's a mm -hmm. beautiful, it's, it's a powerful analogy for me because it's very similar to some of the stage stories that I share. But the more steps you take, the more your fears go away because you're making it happen. You're training your brain that all you got to do is just keep climbing and learning and reaching and looking around. And then, of course, reaching over your shoulder to the next person who might be afraid of where you just were so you can help them out a little bit and bring you up, bring them up with you. Do you feel like you've been able to let go of parts of your circle that are no longer serving you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kicked them right to the curb, finally, because I, I learned two very important words. Honor yourself. Mm. Stop putting yourself down because you think these other people have it all together or they're more confident or they're superior to you in some way. I think back to my old mindset. Gosh, I... I kept myself right down scraping bottom, right down. And this is a conversation I had yesterday. I used to wear ripped up jeans every day, like here in the recording studio. I'd be on the camera from the waist up. I'd be wearing ripped up jeans, like bummy looking jeans. And I finally realized that's for many years of my life. That's where I thought I was. It was just at that lower level. Yeah, I can dress up the top half and look okay and professional, but deep down at the roots, I was this low level person who was struggling. And the day I threw out, I had three or four pairs of those jeans. I kept one because I like to wear them because they're like, you know, pajamas. Now. They're so mm -hmm. comfortable. But I just wear them to work in the basement or work in the garage or work in the yard. But I threw away all that other stuff and I show up more professionally and I honor myself more now. If I'm leaving the house, I would never dress like that now, whereas I used to. I used to show the world I was. I was at that level. I was a bum in some ways because I was afraid to look more successful because I didn't feel I was at the time. But of course, I was keeping myself there by staying in that mindset all the time. And when I get over that, when I grew through that and realized everywhere I go, I can be the most confident version of myself. I just yeah. show up and exude the energy I have with my voice that I use, with my, my stature, my stance, my confidence. My humor, which used to be very self-deprecating, but now just serves to bring light into every situation. All of that has helped me overcome so many fears about not being comfortable where I'm at or around the people that I used to be around who I allowed mm -hmm. to put me down and hold me down all the time and insult me and keep me at a certain level because that's the way I treated myself. Mm -hmm. When people try that now, I just look at them and say, you know what? You don't talk to me like that. Mm -hmm. And if that's your goal is to talk to me, like I used to allow you to talk to me, hit the road, get the hell out. Mm -hmm. I've, I literally about five or six years ago, deleted 60% of the contacts out of my phone. Not a mm. single one has been added back because those are people thing. I used to put mm -hmm. myself down around and allow to treat me at a certain level. Well, no, once I learned to grow beyond that, I knew who the right people were to hang out with. It's interesting the the things that we're willing to do in order to fit in, right? In order to still be the uh, the cool kid or whatever their perception was.
from earlier days. Jessica had mentioned a very interesting point here, regular evaluation of relationships. She mentioned that on Lena's post about networking a couple of days ago. I do the same exact thing. I don't know how often, but I do it quite often. I, I'm realizing this early on, the importance of constantly being surrounded by people who can uplift you, empower you to get to whatever stage. And and I, I don't think life is all about getting to the next point. I think it, it truly is more about the journey rather than the destination. I think the destination serves a purpose. I think it paints a target. I think it makes me realize that there is something else that I can go after or improve or learn or different things like that. But I'm curious in, in regard to Jessica's point and what you just mentioned, how often do you evaluate the relationships in your life? Actually, fairly regularly these uh -huh. days. I don't have a set schedule. I don't do it quarterly. When yeah. situations pop up, like say, for example, somebody says or does something on social media that does that violates my core values or, or tries to treat me in such a way that I refuse to be treated anymore. Like the flush of a toilet, like the hashtag up yours, which is my favorite one to use. Cause it's not, you know, it's, it makes me laugh when I say, oh, okay, up yours, gone. Uh, I will delete, I will unfollow, I will unfriend, I will whatever. Uh, occasionally I've actually had to have conversations with people and say, look, I don't like it when you're like this. I'm not going to tell you to change, but I'll tell you what, we are not going to hang out anymore. I don't want you around me. Just know we're done. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have, but I walked away from it thinking, man, 10 years ago, I never would have had the guts to say that. I would have been afraid of this person's oh, yeah. energy personality. So now on a regular basis, I'm evaluating the people around me as to whether or not their energy matches mine. And over the past year, I did a core values exercise. Great book by a gentleman named Thomas Keenan. It's called Unf. I won't say the bad word. Unf your business. <laughs> My four core values. And these are mm -hmm. ones that I chose, but were also reflected back by 14 other people whom I trusted to, to circle the ones that they felt applied to me, build the best relationships, create a vivid vision, mm -hmm. cultivate kindness with every conversation and be fun as hell to work with. You mm. don't match those. We're done. No reflection upon you, no judgment, but we're done. Mm. Knowing those has allowed me to be so much more fearless in, in sharing who I really am out there with the world every single day. I don't bow to trends. I don't use the hot topics. Uh, I'm just me. Yeah. And, and I'm fearlessly me on a regular basis. Like it or not, love me or hate me, I honestly don't care anymore. I'm just me. If it pulls you closer, great. If it drives you farther away, see ya. Bye. <laughs> Have fun doing whatever you're doing. I hope you're fearless in what you're doing. And I hope you're genuine, authentic, and good luck to you. Did you use other people to identify your core values? I know you just briefly mentioned as far as what people reflected to you. Like, what did you ask them and what was that approach like? There's a, a sheet of them with a number of suggestions. Of course, people could pick ones that they felt applied as well. It was part of the exercise from the book. And part of the instruction was to share them with as many people who were willing to take five minutes and just circle a couple and send them back to you. So I believe I sent out 14. I contacted 14 people and asked and I got 12 or 13 of them back. How did you de determine who to send it to? I thought of the people who I respected the most mm -hmm. uh, that were part of my circle. Not the mm -hmm. people I thought would, you know, kiss my butt and say nice things, but people mm -hmm. whom I really respected mm -hmm. as being their best confident selves and being fearless on their own journeys as well. You know, I wasn't going to send it to somebody that I worked with 20 years ago who's been negative 
every single conversation we've ever had has just been negative and tearing down things. I didn't bother with people like that. I started with people I respected and loved and admired and appreciated and people I learned from. I've done a similar thing, not in regard to sending out to people. I kind of just did it all on my own because I felt that I was confident enough in knowing things about myself. But there are certain points where I felt that either due to lack of experience or whatever it might have been where I wasn't able to answer some of those questions. So that's why I was very curious, like what what was the added benefit, so to speak, in, in doing an exercise like that? And how did you even determine the people that you chose uh, as part of it? And I, I, I find this whole conversation to be fascinating and in great alignment with this whole topic, because I think one of the things that I once, quote unquote, feared doing was being myself. And mm-hmm. ultimately, this is what this conversation is about. The fear of being who you are, regardless of what other people might think, how they might perceive you. And I know that in the case that you and I, I, we chose to do professions that are not exactly A, easily understood, or B, the traditional route, right? And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've had to face throughout my life is doing something that is not traditional, not for the sake of trying to reinvent the wheel, but for the sake of knowing that this is what's the most in alignment with who I am and what I believe to be true about myself. And that's kind of the last point that I wanted to touch upon before we transition this to the event and everything that you and I will be a part of. Mm -hmm. And that is when you first started to do it, A, what even inspired you to do what you're doing today? The radio, the speaking, the comedy, because that's not, once again, it's not a traditional route. And starting something like that, based on my experience, was very challenging. Because I wasn't surrounded by people like that. I was surrounded by people in other careers and other professions, which, yes, helped me get to the next point. But at the same time, so much of this work, I literally had to do on my own. I had to believe in myself. I had to get up. I had to hold myself accountable to all these things and still do. And so I'm curious, in your case, what was that experience like? Who was actually that person that said, Steve, you might be good at this? There have been two. And the funny part is both were named Dan. So I have two, two angels named Dan uh, in my life. When I, was, uh, when I was 10 years old, and I got a few birthday candles on you. So around 1978, there's a TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati that came on. It was a, a comedy about a radio station in Cincinnati. And there was this guy, a DJ named Dr. Johnny Fever. And he wore jeans and T-shirts and sunglasses indoors, had kind of shaggy hair, scruffy beard. And I saw him playing records and talking on the radio. And I said, someday I want to do that. Well, fast forward to when I was 24 years old, I'd been out of college for a couple of years, barely graduated college. And my friend Danny kept asking me, why didn't she ever go be on the radio like you wanted to do? And, you know, you have those friends that say, I think you'd be great at this, but you didn't have the guts to actually go do it. Maybe because you didn't know how, or you just didn't believe in yourself enough. Well, I finally did. Summer of 92, I went to broadcast school, and a month later, I got an internship at a radio station near Boston that we had grown up listening to, and I drove to his house. I hadn't seen him in a couple of months. He goes, where have you been? I said, well, radio school, and I told him that I got this internship, not even a job yet, and he was so proud, and of course, I got the I told you so speech, and he passed away three weeks after that, after I got my internship, and I I enjoyed 10 years on the radio. 
And at the very end of it, when I was just so burned out and exhausted, because I'd worked 15 years worth of hours in 10 and I was fried and I just quit and I walked away. And then in August of 03, on a Friday afternoon, I had $3 in my pocket and I went and just hit the crap out of a bucket of golf balls to get out all my frustrations of leaving my radio career. My first marriage was falling apart and I was in debt. And while I'm hitting the golf balls, standing underneath power lines at a golf driving range Mm -hmm. in a thunderstorm, barefoot in the wet grass, I just held up the club and just looked up and I said, I dare (laughs) you take your best shot. You know, I was going to say perfect setting to get electrocuted. I was being a sarcastic (laughs) fool is what I was being at the time because, you know, people have said, what if, you know, the lightning had hit you? I'm like, well, we'd be having a different conversation now. I just started working with a life coach named Dan and he said, how was your week? And I said, put down your pen and listen to this. And I told the story of the hour in the thunderstorm, barefoot in the wet grass under power lines, hitting golf balls when everybody but me ran from the storm. And he thought that was the funniest thing. And he said, have you ever thought of being a motivational speaker or stand-up comedian? I think you'd be great at both. And I'd wanted to do both for years. I never had the guts to to try and never had the knowledge of how to even take the first steps. So I was sitting in the parking lot, looking at the porta potties and the picnic tables, not expecting much, wishing I could be up the mountain. He offered the first steps for both. And within three to four weeks, I was attending classes at a comedy course and my first Toastmasters meetings. Wow. So I had two people who saw my fear and saw my limiting beliefs and just threw a question. Mm-hmm. or a comment or a suggestion or just an attaboy or i believe in you and it spurred me to take action and now i always remember them mm-hmm. and and i now the reason i became a speaker a big part of it is because i wanted to do for other people what those two dans did for me i want to help them believe in a better version of themselves and take an action and if they say well i'm afraid i go well tell you what let me tell you a story <laughs> And everything that I used to think of as failure or limiting beliefs or or tough parts of my life are now evidence to the contrary, evidence of first steps that might have been missteps, but that got me here. And everything we're afraid of is in our own heads. Doesn't mean it's false evidence appearing real. It's real if it's keeping us Mm -hmm. from doing anything. Here's how I overcame it. Here are the lessons Mm -hmm. I've learned along the way. So now I get to be those friends for my clients. You mentioned first marriage. Are you, did, are you remarried? Well, Tina and I have just, are just about to celebrate our 15th anniversary. We never had a formal wedding, although we both wear rings. Oh, okay. So, okay. But yeah, we've been together f- almost 15 years. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I truly enjoy all the posts and everything that you share when it comes to just the relationship that the two of you have. And, yeah. I for me, I think that's a huge influence because it just allows me to understand of what a partnership like that really yeah. could look a like. A big part and, of that was overcoming fears of who to be in a relationship. Or, yeah, you know, I can't be all warm and or even having and, an official wedding. Yeah, you know, Tina says every once in a while, she goes, "You do realize you're the chick in this relationship, right?" And I just laugh. Whereas that, <laughs> to a lot of guys, that's an insult. That's not very manly because I remember all the anniversaries and the dates and all this other stuff and do all the little romantic stuff. But I used to be nervous about doing that stuff because I had fear of being judged. You know, some there are guys that I've known who look at me and go, 
what a wuss you are. You're whipped. And I used to feel bad, like I was less of a man. And now I say, dude, I'm happy. Your relationships suck. You know, you're in your third marriage yeah. and you're still an ass mm -hmm. because you're just miserable. And you think this and that, Hey man, I'm happy. 15 years in, we are rocking. I, I get to wake up every single day. And as soon as the alarm clock goes off, my feet reach for hers. And we both go, Hmm. I wouldn't have done that in my first marriage. You know, I didn't have the guts to be who I really am, which is a hopeless, helpless romantic who's just loving this journey and keeps, I keep telling my Tina, just know if you ever end our relationship, you're going to demolish my speaking career. So, <laughs> and, you know, and she says that and she loves, she loves just who we are, how we are, are we know each other's love language, which is something I recommend to everybody to learn. Yeah. We know how it's to a great book on that actually. edify. Oh, it's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. We know how to bring our best selves to the relationship fearlessly without worry of being judged. Cause I just appreciate the littlest things about her and she does as well. And if you're in a relationship thinking you've got to be manly or you've got to be the softer, you know, woman, whatever, get over all that stuff. Start having open conversations with the people most important to you, figure out your best self and take action every day to be that person. And you're going to watch some of the fears go away. I don't fear other people judging us. Cause again, some people go, Hey Steve, uh, why are you doing all this romantic stuff? Because it makes me happy and it makes Tina happy. Yeah. yeah, it's not real manly. Well, dude, I'm happy. <laughs> and you're miserable. You're on your fourth yeah. marriage. And you keep marrying these trophies. And you're just, how many times do you want to give away half your crap, dude? What are you afraid of? You know, being warm and sensitive and actually being on the same level with somebody? What are you afraid of? What, what caused you to be that way? And maybe if you want to be as happy as I am, maybe you want to talk to somebody and start working through some of that stuff. Because I'm not afraid to say anything or do anything in our relationship. And I'm happy. Go figure. And that's the ultimate question. It's a good question. Where can people connect with you? What do you have coming up that people can be a part of? Uh, motivationalfirewood.com is still the main site for all my stuff. Of course, the vision board mastery program is there uh, as well. We've got a brand new coaching program that hasn't officially been rolled out yet, but I've already taken on a bunch of clients who asked, Hey, Steve, do you do coaching? Yes, I do. <laughs> so we haven't even announced it yet, but I've already got, uh, coaching clients, but we are rolling out a group coaching series that's coming up as well. So stay tuned for that. That's awesome. And one other thing that I'll mention is an event that you and I are going to be a part of called Survive to Thrive, Face Your Fears in Austin, Texas. This will be the first in-person. I'm thrilled for this. I'm yes. thrilled not only in regard to the topic, but also just the in-person. I know that connecting through Zoom and all these virtual platforms has been great. It has served a purpose for the time being, but I'm, I'm ready to get back. I'm ready to get yeah. back. I'm ready to give a person a hug. I'm ready to shake their hand. I'm ready to see them smile. It's just a completely different atmosphere to be able to do it in person. And I know that you've done this a little bit longer than I have, not a little bit, but quite a few number of years. I'm just curious your take on this as far as, are you looking for the in-person? Have you had any, what has that been like? And how different is it compared to the virtual world? Uh, I have not been on a live stage with an in house audience in a little over two years. I've been hundred percent virtual all this time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to get back on a stage 
I can't wait to have the energy of a room. One of the things I love to do most at speaking events, especially if people don't know who I am, I always take my name tag off and I just start having conversations with people and feeling the energy prior to the event starting. And when I get up on stage, I take that out of my pocket and just share it, not just the people in the front, but the people who might be hiding in the corners and, and aiming my message at the very back row because those are the people who need it most. And I know this because I used to be those people. You can only get that in a live experience. It's very difficult to do that in a virtual world. I love being virtual. I love being on Zoom. But there is nothing like looking somebody right in the eyes and having them nod and connect. And they'll have a little smile or a thumbs up. And you just know, you're like, positive connection after positive connection. And there's no better feeling than that when you're on a stage and, and connecting with an audience fearlessly. I mean, I tell all the stories of everything I've gone through in my life to get here. They're all evidence. They're all bricks in my foundation. And I fearlessly tell them all without judgment of myself. This is what I went through to get here. If you can relate, here's the lesson. <laughs> No, and that's what I appreciate you for, and that's why I look forward to a meeting you in person for the first time. I know ever, but also sharing this this stage and opportunity with everyone that's going to be a part of it. So, I just I want to applaud you, Steve, for being who you are, for staying true to yourself, for committing to this process, for showing up daily. It's it, I just want you to know that if whenever you feel like no one's watching, there always is, and that person is at least always me. I, I'm always paying attention to it. So I just, I want to thank you for being that part in my life for showing me what it's like to stay consistent, to stay committed and to, I think most importantly, do the work, do the work of constantly unpacking whatever it is that I packed for however many years, uh, writing a different narrative, writing a different story. So I just, I look forward to that in-person experience and I look forward to connecting with you again in the upcoming days, upcoming weeks, maybe even upcoming hours, who knows? <laughs> And I appreciate you as well because, and, and I say this often, you make me think more than any other, any other human being on the planet does. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got my style, I've got my narrative, I've got my stories, but gosh, whenever we have a conversation, you bounce a question off the wall a different way. You make me think, and it impacts how I speak, it impacts how I write, it impacts how I do my own shows, my own videos, my Facebook Lives, the conversations I have with coaching clients. So you are... You know, I don't know if you're much of a hugger, but be prepared if you're picking up at the airport <laughs> for this event to have a hug that other people are going to think is weird because I am a hugger and I just miss so much Yeah, being out there with real people. And and mm -hmm. you're like a, a, a younger brother to me. And it's how I've thought mm -hmm. about you for years now. We haven't had a chance to meet. So oh, thanks. be prepared for that. Oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next time.